Good morning, everyone. Ah, there we go. Good. That was good. I like that. I, you know, it was interesting when Doug asked me to speak. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll speak. Uh, here coming up in October. And he's like, yeah, just to let you know, that's a uh, weekend of Woolfest. And um, so who here was Woolfest? Anyone? A couple of you, okay. He also said, you know, that's the first week of uh, fall break. So there's going to be like nobody here. So I'm glad to see that there are people here. You know, give yourself a round of applause. Love to see you here. I am excited. We are starting this new uh, sermon series as no matter what happens, trusting in a trusting Jesus in a troublesome world. Um, I love the fact that we just came off uh, a whole series of the fruit of the spirit, and this really kind of pushes us into what happens when the world comes down on us, when when things and life circumstance comes overwhelmingly on top of us. What do we do? How do we get there? Where do we go? And so uh, we're going to be in John chapter 16. So if you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles and get to that, you can do that. If it's just an app, you can do that as well. Uh, but this entire uh, sermon series will be in John 16. So you might want to put a, a, a note in there. You might want to read through it a couple times, this series, to really grab a hold of what Jesus is saying and is instructing uh, his close disciples during this time. As you do that, I'd like to tell you a story. With it being October, um, and we're talking about troublesome times and scary times, I, I feel like I should share one of my favorite uh, stories that uh, happened as I was doing student ministry over a decade ago. So um, we had a lock-in. Do you guys remember lock-ins? Yeah? You know, where like four adults would be there and a hundred kids would show up. We had, had a lock-in, and sure enough, there was like 15 kids that signed up, so we had four adults. And then uh, one kid brought the entire football team uh, at night, so we had literally, I think there was like 74 kids there with four adults all night long. Well, it got to the wee hours of the morning, like 3 a.m., and if if you've ever been in a church building at 3 o'clock in the morning, it gets scary, right? I don't know why, but it does. The other day I had to come in here late after youth group and turn something off, and I picked something up and turned it off, and all of a sudden like, it was really windy, so you're like everything is moving around here. I'm like, oh, I'm getting out, right? So it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and uh, one of the youth leaders that was with me, she was a couple years older and a sibling to one of the football players, she comes over and she's like, hey, I think it'd be really funny to pull a trick and scare some of these football players. I was like, okay, what do you got in mind? She goes, well, I'm going to take Joe. He's one of our other leaders. We're going to go up and take them up in the baptist- behind the baptistry area, the choir loft. You know, So like what we had was like baptistry back here in this little tiny room back there called the choir loft. She's like, give us about five minutes. We're going to go up there and hide and then bring them up there, you know, and then we're going to jump out and scare them. Cool, whatever. So sure enough, I gave them that time, walked them in, and they're like, we're walking through the building, and I made them keep all the lights out, you know, and so it's like really creepy. And as we're walking through like just the sanctuary area, like the kids are scared to death. These are all football players. Like none of the girls, they all stayed down watching the Disney movies we had going on, right? All these big burly football players are falling in line, and I'm like, oh yeah, it gets kind of creepy on that, guys. Oh, did you see that shadow move over there? Oh, whoa, whoa, what, you know? And so we work our way back up behind the stairs, and I stand there, and I'm like, oh, look at that thing up on the wall, right? So when we're there, we've got two closets that have, like, costumes and whatever. And so I'm right next to this closet, and, well, I'm here, and there's this kid named Nick. Now, Nick was about 300 pounds, very muscular, was going to play football, defensive end. He actually is with UC as a grad 
assistant coach right now, and he's standing there, and right next to him is this door, and as I'm like, oh, look at those shadows, isn't that weird, blah, 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 just trying to ham it all up. The girl, Caitlin, starts scratching on the door, and his eyes got about this big, he turns to me, and before I know it, she Boom, hits the door open. That kid jumps on top of me, squeezes me harder than I've ever been squeezed in my life, and screamed a, a, a scream I will never forget. Like it was like bloody murder. And he was like, ah, yelling in my ear. It was it was crazy. Everyone had a good laugh. They all went away and it went down. I felt that squeeze like for a week and a half later. I tell you that story because there's times in our lives where things can physically be jump scary, but the scarier moments in life are when things come out of our control and they impact us deeper, right? Maybe it's news you didn't want to hear from a doctor. Maybe it's your boss saying, hey, come to my office, we need to talk. Maybe it's a phone call from your kid, hey, I just got in an accident. There's things that happen in our lives that hit harder, that leave an impact deeper. And too many times as followers of Christ, when we said yes to being Jesus, maybe we had this premise that once we said yes, things would just magically become amazing and wonderful for us. But the reality is that sin is still in this world. And because of that, we have to deal with some pain and some struggles. And as being a follower of Jesus Christ, we have to deal with things, oppositions, physically, spiritually, that can push our faith to the test. So in John chapter 16, Jesus is telling his disciples this. He says, I have told you all these things so that you won't abandon your faith, for you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they, did, or they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I did not tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. But now I'm going to go to the one who sent me. And, I'm not, and, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I told you. I love this part because it seems like a very down and, and sad kind of moment that Jesus is here. But the reality is that Jesus is being completely real and honest with his followers. And I think in our lives, too many times we are not real and honest with the people we love, right? We sometimes lie to each other or we, have, we bend the truth so that way it saves people's feelings, I know there's sometimes I've done that with my kids. Like, oh, it's okay. You're still doing really good. You're really great. You're awesome. And like, no, you're not really that good. No, you're not really that great. No, you're not really that awesome, right? And I know people have done that to me. And I know in America, we don't like to hurt people's feelings. So we really dance around situations until the moment really comes and it hits hard. But what I love about this is the truth that Jesus is about to say to them. And so the first thing I want us to know and understand today is that this, following Jesus does not make you exempt from difficult times in your life. Following Jesus does not make you exempt from the difficult times in your life. And like I mentioned before, I think there's too many times in our world, 
And that churches have presented this idea that when you say yes to Jesus, everything will go, bad will go away. Everything in your life will be made 100% right. And that, that from now on, you're going to be jumping and going through fields and playing with unicorns and all these amazing things. And I know I'm exaggerating some, but I do think that there was part of that. We have built into our mind going, okay, I'm a follower of Jesus, so things shouldn't be that bad. But Jesus right here basically says the opposite, doesn't he? He does. He sits there and he gives them this warning. And he's, he's basically saying, hey, I, I want you to know that life is hard. Things are going to be coming at you. And in his, specifically to his disciples, he's warning them for when these next couple of days are coming along, right? And he's going to be arrested. And he's going to be nailed to a cross. And things are going to be totally out of, out of chaos. He wanted to give them a heads up. I think back to the story that I started with. I could only picture myself being in Nick's shoes. right? I was not scared that night. Why? Because Caitlin came and asked me, <laughs> told me, <laughs> that she was going to go scare these kids. And so when I was up there, I was prepared for it. So when the scaring happened, I wasn't scared. I was just strained and physically squeezed to death, right? It's really nice having a heads up on something, isn't it? Have you ever been brought into like something in your life? Like, like maybe you, you know, things are going to change in your company or your organization. And maybe someone further up came, brought you in ahead of time like, hey, yeah, I just want to let you know before this, everything else happens, guess what? We're firing the entire floor except for you, right? <laughs> maybe that didn't happen exactly. But maybe something like that has, where you've been brought in on a situation, you've been given a heads up, you've got this warning, and you said, okay, okay, I can physically and mentally prepare for that difficult time. See, the problem is when we have bought into this idea that saying yes to Jesus and becoming a Jesus follower means that we will never have any problems in our life, we're setting ourselves up for failure, aren't we? And when life throws punches, they hit even harder. And the reality is Jesus never told us that life was going to get easier from following him, right? Look at that, John 16, 16.1. I've told you these things so that you won't, what? Abandon your faith. How many people have you met that kind of said yes to Jesus? Under those premises. And when life got hard, when it really pushed down and pressure was squeezing them, they said, this isn't what I signed up for. Jesus, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be nice and easy. Everything is supposed to go this way. And life is hard. And if Jesus and if God was really real, then this wouldn't be happening to me. Peace out. I'm gone. I think we all have met people like that, haven't we? And unfortunately, it's because they have not read these texts right. They have not studied the word. They have not studied what Jesus said. And I love the New Living Translation because most of the time it says this, I've told you all these things so that you won't lose hope. But really it says this, so that you won't abandon your faith. Jesus doesn't want his own people to abandon, his own disciples to abandon his faith. He doesn't want all of us who have said yes to him to abandon our faith. So he gives us this warning. And it's funny, at the end of the chapter, which we're going to be covering later on, he ends it this way. 
John 16, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He started with you're going to have trouble, and he ended with, hey, guess what? You're going to have trouble. But hold on. Hold on to that faith. It's funny. Remember, I was the other day I was quoting some movies because I do that a lot. Um, and you guys remember the movie Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Some of you guys have, some of you haven't. So there's in this scene, there's uh, these three guys who have uh, broken off the you know the chain game, and they're trying to get back to this one place where there's a buried treasure. And so as they're moving their way through the woods one time, there, there's like this church is having a revival and they're coming down to the river. And, uh, and one of the guys who's not the brightest bulb in the batch, he starts, oh, what's going over here? And they're, they're singing the song, you know, as I went down in the river too bright. You guys remember that? Yeah. So he goes down there and he like cuts the line of all these people getting baptized and goes and gets baptized, right? And he comes up out of the water and he comes on and he's like, guys, the water, come on in. The water is fine. The, Jesus has forgiven you of all your sins. Everything that I've done wrong, it's taken away. And he said, and he goes, including that piggly wiggly I knocked over. And he said, and uh, George Clooney's character goes, well, Delmore, I said you, thought you said you didn't knock over that piggly wiggly. Well, I lied. And Jesus said that was taken away from me too, right? And so, and it's true. Those sins are taken away. Well, cut scene to a little bit later. They're in a car and George Clooney's character and this other guy, Delmar, is driving around. And George Clooney goes, well, Delmar, I'm glad that you're right with your Lord and Savior. But according to the law of the land, you still have a penalty to pay me for, you know? And it's one of those things, like, sometimes people think that once they say Jesus and say yes to Jesus, that get out of jail free guard, I'm ready to go. Ready to get out of here. Life will be perfect. Life will be amazing. No. There's actually this guy, his name is Christian Smith, and he's come up with this, this term. It's called moral therapeutic deism. It's this idea, moral therapeutic deism, that, that we have convinced ourselves when we say yes to Jesus, thinking everything is going to be good in our life. It says this, worshiping a God who blesses people, they, were, they are someone who worships a God that blesses people who are good, nice, and fair, and helps believers be happy and feel good about oneself. When this naive, naive and cold utilitarianism view of God crashes in the hard rocks of reality, we shouldn't be surprised to see people of any age walk away. This idea that we think that our God is wrapped up about all the good morals that happen with us, and that when struggle comes, then that means that God isn't here. And Jesus isn't saying that at all, is he? He's telling us, when you come and follow me, it's not going to be easy. You jump back to chapter or verse 2. You will be expelled from the synagogues. He's talking to his, his disciples. To be expelled from the synagogues means basically you are shunned from your family. You're shunned from anywhere you can worship at. And the time is coming when those who kill you will think that they are doing a holy service of God for God. Man. It brings me to my second point is this. Following Jesus makes you a target. As you follow Jesus, especially in our world today, it makes you a target. Now, in America, our view of being a target for Christ is totally different than, uh, say, some of our missionaries that we support. And some of the persecuted church that's out there, right? 
Because being a target is a little bit more life and death for them than it is for us. But I think we can identify with being thrown out of synagogues, being displaced, being shunned over to the corner. I'll be honest, there's times when I'm out and about on town and I meet someone new and they ask me what I do for a living, I stop sometimes. Because the moment I say I'm a minister, I don't know the questions that may be coming after me, right? Because of what has happened in, in our church history, you just don't know. And a lot of times when I tell them I'm a minister, then I either have one or two reactions. They like get really quiet and uncomfortable and apologize for the cussing that they just did. Um, <laughs> or they give me, well, let me tell you what I think. And honestly, I don't want to care, really care with the theology that they put together. And in 30 seconds, I can't fix all that. But I do try to invite a second conversation on that, right? When you are following Jesus, you become a target. And we understand that James chapter 1, verses 2, and four, 2 through 4 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So as you have this target on your back, that can be hard. You know this. There's a reason why you probably don't talk about your Christian faith at work. Maybe you don't talk about it with certain friends because you're afraid of what that, that might entail. You may be afraid of what that result may become. And for some of us, that could cost jobs. Could cost friendships, could cost family members. But I understand this. When you're a target, a couple things happen for you. Understand this. One, hard times will strengthen your faith. When you're a target and hard times come along, it puts your faith to a test. And if you are walking with Jesus, if you are listening to his word and you are faithful to him, you are spending adequate time in prayer, in study, surrounding yourself with fellowship, this time of pressure will make you stronger in your faith with him. It's amazing. It's amazing the ability that we have when we have this opportunity for our faith to grow. When you can go through the fire and still hold on to Jesus, that refining fire, your faith will become much stronger. And honestly, when I read about these scriptures, when I read chapter 16, and Jesus is telling them, hey, there's, you're going to have troubles in this world. It's coming, and it's coming hard, and it's coming fast. Honestly, that strengthens my faith because it tells me that Jesus is telling me something that's true that is happening. He is truthful in what he tells us. It's interesting. I was listening a couple years ago, a couple years ago, a couple decades ago at this point, um, to Caleb, and they had a quick little interview with uh, the band Audio Adrenaline, and there was right when the Underdog CD came out, if any of you guys remember that. Uh, there was a song on there called Get Down, right? And it's kind of an upbeat song, but it's not like anytime I get down, the Lord lifts me up, I get down, lifts me up. And uh, they asked, like, wow, this is a really good song. Where's that inspiration? And actually, one of the band members says, well, uh, one of my best friends, uh, in a matter of six months, lost both his parents. Uh, 
he got diagnosed with cancer, and during his cancer treatments, his, life, his wife decided to get up and leave and take his kids away from him. And he goes, and I went and met with him, and when I was sitting in the hospital with him, I was, I was just awed at the joy and the smile and that positive attitude he had through the whole situation. He says, how are you doing this? Like, your life is completely apart, falling apart. And his friend turned back to him, and he's all hooked up with everything. He says, yes, everything physically right now has been taken away from me. It feels like I should be abandoning my faith. But I've never been closer to Jesus than I am right now. And from, to me, that's everything. And so that's what bread out of it. That's, how, that's the attitude that we need to have. And to understand when hard times come, when struggles come our way, as families, when things come bad and you don't know what the next step is, you don't know, jobs may be, you may be fired from a job or a job might be eliminated and you don't know what that next paycheck, that is time for you to band your family together, come together, put your faith in Jesus and take that step forward that he is asking you to go. It's not your time to run away from Jesus, but to run to him. These hard times will strengthen your faith. And then when I say that, I kind of think to myself, well, for those of you who say, well, I don't feel like I have a, a strong faith, my, my question is, are you putting yourself out there to be going through trying times? Because that's what really makes us stronger. Second thing it says, being a target means that you have opportunities to show your faith in Jesus to others. When you are going through this, just like, just like this friend of Audio Adrenaline, when he's going through all this tough time, that was an opportunity for him to build his faith, but to also show it to the other people around. If his friend saw the positive outlook on his face, what do you think the rest of the nurses and doctors felt when they were tra- treating this man? When you're going through terrible, terrible times, how you react will speak volumes to the people closest to you. And I hope that you're able to react in a way that shows Jesus to all of them. Shows them hope and light and love, forgiveness, being gentle, being patient. All these fruits of the spirits we talked about the past couple weeks, right? When tough times come, opportunities also open. And maybe not in those moments, but how you get through them becomes a testimony of your faith and that you can share with others who are struggling in those moments. Life deals some heavy blows, and don't think that everything negative comes to God. That's a lie from the evil one. Bad things happen to us because sin is in this world. And as followers of Jesus, we are supposed to show others how to rely on Jesus to get through those tough times. It brings me to my last part is this. My last point is this. You must start facing the world as a victor in Christ and not a victim. You need to start facing this world as a victor in Christ and not a victim. In my life, I know there have been times that I've struggled um, with depression. And I've dealt with it good ways. And there's been other times where I've struggled with just 
self-confidence and self-worth. And when life is coming really hard and really fast, it's really easy to feel like you're just a victim. And the problem about being a victim is that you let the world control you and how you feel and how you act and how you operate. But if you view the world through the truth that you have, which is that you have victory through Jesus Christ, you can change your circumstances. You can change the world around you. And it's not so much you're doing it, you're allowing Jesus to change your situations through you. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, okay, that's great, Jimmy. How do I, how do I live victorious through, victoriously through Jesus? How do I do this? What do I need to do? Uh, first thing is this. Admit to Jesus sometimes that I don't got this, right? We've been in situations in our lives where we don't got it, do we, right? Like, I don't have this life. I don't have this situation. It's out of my hands. It's out of control. I don't know what to do. The best thing to do is to admit to Jesus and tell him, I can't handle this. I don't got this. You know what? Let's say this all together to ourselves. Let's all say this out loud. This will be very therapeutic for us, right? I don't got this. One more time. I don't got this, right? We don't. By ourselves, we do not have this. And Jesus wants to know that, but Jesus wants it, right? First Peter 5, 7 says this, cast all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. He's saying, yeah, you don't got this, but I do, so lean on me. Let me take it. Give it over. Second thing you need to do is this. Bring someone else in on your struggle. Go to the people who you love and you care for and that you can confide in and tell them what's going on. Ask them to pray for you. If you're sick, we have a whole church family. We want to be praying for you. We want to be there for you. If you're struggling with stuff, we as a church family want to be here for you. And if you're not part of the church family, guess what? We still want to be here for you as well. We want to know your hurts. We want to know your, your burdens. We want, to, we want to wrap our arms around you because Jesus wrapped his arms around us. Bring people in. Galatians 6.2 says this. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. You should be sharing somebody else's burden right now. And if not, I would encourage you to start pushing into your friends' lives and asking how you can help them. You know, an easy way to do that is in your daily time when you're talking to people, just at the end, before you're finishing conversation, say, hey, how can I pray for you? We do that every now and again when we are uh, eating dinner, right, at a, at a restaurant. Before the server goes away, I'll ask, hey, hey how's, we're going to pray. Is there anything that we can pray for you about? And when we do that, I'll be honest, most of the time you, you get kind of like, oh, no, I'm good. Or someone, man, they, they open up their whole lives for you. It's amazing what they pour out. We should be sharing in that burden together because together we are stronger in Christ. Third thing this, surround yourself with the bread of truth throughout your weekend. Now you might be thinking, what's the bread of truth? That is your Bible. The bread of truth. When I was at, uh, at CIY, moved this, this year, I got the privilege to hear Mark Moore, who I love hearing him speak. And he said this, stop living off the dessert of the sermons and start feeding on the bread of truth daily. Right? Sermons are dessert. They're dessert. It's not, it's not 
It's not. It's whipped cream. It's ice cream. What I'm giving you now should not be your main feel food to push you throughout the week. What you do daily is what feeds you, right? It would not be good for me to have my kids say, "Okay, I'm going to spoon feed you till they're 18 years old," right? We don't do that. We eat ourselves. So you need to eat yourself. You need to eat. Start going through the scripture. If you don't know where to start, Book of Acts is a good place to start. Just try to do it a chapter a day. We actually put out weekly readings on email. If you need to get a part of that, go. Um, please, you know, contact us. We can show you how to do that. But you have a whole week of verses starting today, tonight, that base off this sermon that you can read on and build on. But you've got to feed yourself. And the last thing is this. Start being the body of Christ and begin to serve. We have so many opportunities here at Plum Creek for you to get involved with. It's, it's crazy. Um, just specifically, I mean, we've got Family Fall Fest coming up here in a couple weeks. We're all looking for people to help run games with that, to help um, with, with grilling and everything else. So please, you can serve there. Actually, we've, we're kicking it back off and really trying to launch our uh, special needs ministry. And so uh, we, we really want to push that. Uh, Jackie Rawl is kind of taking that in. And starting next Sunday, she'll be out there in the foyer and she'll have a sign-up area. If that's something that you want to help and push yourself in, we need your help in, that, in those areas. Also, Kids Town, we always need, uh, we need more volunteers, more and more. We keep getting more and more kids, which is an amazing thing, but we want to be, have them properly staffed so that way we can teach our kids about who Jesus is and how he loves them and about a relationship that they're going to have with him. And also, if you want to, if you haven't grabbed a kingdom card or a kingdom challenge back there, go ahead and take one, please. We want to challenge you that. Or if you've already taken one and God puts it on your heart, maybe go take another one. I don't know. Get a little crazy, right? <laughs> Have more than one challenge. These are all opportunities. As you are serving the body of Christ, you will start being victorious because you are leading and you are walking in the victory that is Jesus. And you're doing it not for yourself, but for God. So I want to read this for you. It says this, James chapter 4, 5 through 10 says this. Do you think scripture has no meaning? They say that God is passionate and that the spirit has placed, has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives us gra uh, grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinner. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloomy instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. I want to do this one little thing and I know we're close on time so I know when I um, my, my four year old he loves playing with Play-Doh right now and I love watching him squeeze it around and play around with it and I like to think of it this way. Say this is your life, right? Your time, your energy, everything you have. And a lot of times when you've said yes to Jesus, you said, okay, I'm going to follow you, everything I have, but really kind of just on Sundays and maybe Wednesdays and a couple Bible studies. So what you're doing, you're really just giving Jesus a little bit, right, of your life. And when pressure comes in on your life, starts to hurt and starts to squeeze, right? And you say, Lord, can you, 
can you take this away? And so he'll start taking what you're going to let him take. Because oftentimes we like to hold on to life as hard as possible. We want to sit there, take it and say, Lord, you can have everything. Help get me out of this situation. But I'm not really ready to give it all over to you yet. Not really ready to let it go. Let's see what Jesus wants us to do is to give with him, not with a closed fist, but he wants us to give with an open hand so that he can come and take your life and make it into something beautiful. So how much of your life are you giving to him? How much are you trusting him? How much are you going to push down your pride and start humbling yourself to be more and more like him? And the real question is this, and the one I'm going to leave you with today, is are you ready to take on the world and all the circumstances that come with it by giving Jesus full control of your life? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you for this message and the fact that we're going to be going through difficult things over the next couple weeks and how we can move through them and be used by you to lift you up daily. Lord, I ask that you just be with us and guide us. Let us do our best to glorify you and how we act and speak to the people around us. Let us focus on those who are lost or hurting. And Lord, if we are feeling the pressure of this world, Lord, let us go to you. Let's throw our hands up and give it to you and say, here's my whole life, Lord. You take care of it. I know I can't. And Father, let us look out for those who need help. And we can go and take on that burden as well and show Jesus to them. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.